then we try to, in our field, predict an injury in an athlete based on like their single leg squat test the week before the season starts. And it just obviously inherently doesn't make sense that we would even be able to draw any conclusions based on this one little data point and in one instance in time. Welcome back to Training Room Talk, powered by Precision Performance Physical Therapy. Here we talk about pain, rehab, performance, and education. If you have questions about the nuance that we dive into, please reach out to us. We would love to talk to you about it. Apart from that, we hope you guys enjoyed today's episode, and we hope everyone stays safe and is staying healthy. All right, guys, welcome back to the podcast. My name is Dr. Max LePage. I'm here with Dr. Troy. Hey, guys. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about injury prediction slash prevention. So uh, as many of you who listen may know, we have a continuing education company called Rise or Rehab Integrated in Sports Education, which uh, has a course available called the Foundations Course, which is a 12-week online course where live lectures are delivered through an online platform that you get access to uh, with a you know username, login, sportsrehabeducation.com is the website if you want to look more into it. But as part of that, and if you follow us on social and uh, you know, Instagram, Facebook, you can get access to a webinar. It's not out yet. It'll be out soon. So you'll have to follow and stick around for a little bit when that gets released. But it is going to be a free webinar on, there is one available right now that's a free webinar on just talking about the course. But there is an additional free webinar coming out that is just a kind of a snippet of some of the lecture content and it is on injury prediction and prevention. Um, So we just wanted to talk a little bit about that topic on the podcast. And if anyone's interested, you can go on to the rise website, which is sportsrehabeducation.com, and sign up for the email list. And then that free webinar will be sent to you uh, at some point in time in the near future. It's already been recorded and everything. So yeah, we're just going to talk a little bit about injury prediction prevention um were you on were you on the the week one of the rise cohort the one that just started i was yep so you saw the injury prediction prevention content or did i not do it for that did i do it you did not do it for that but we have gone through it before yeah you did it for the first cohort Mm -hmm. um so what uh what did they teach you in school about injury prediction prevention do you remember ever talking about that yeah um you prevent all acl injuries from knees out avoiding knee valgus yeah. basically yeah i mean it's like yeah avoid valgus and your life will be fine <laughs> as far as injury prevention that's probably about it i feel like we really did not talk about it at all yeah i mean i feel like we talked probably more about like disease prevention or like health and wellness type of things like preventing i don't even know preventing cardiac issues heart health i i don't even remember talking about that stuff all that much maybe like diabetes or modifying life uh, factors to limit risk yeah basically like yeah risk modification for chronic and communicable disease or 
um, you know, obesity type of things. But it wasn't even very specific or nuanced. It was just kind of more general, maintain a healthy body weight and, and exercise. Yeah. Don't smoke. Keep moving. Yeah, pretty much <laughs> just like we talk about the ACSM guidelines for physical activity. That was the extent of of prevention or like health disease prevention coursework. Um, it, it although it's something that PTs often advertise as like, oh, go to you know choose PT first, pick physical therapy, this and that, and you know prevent things from happening. We don't actually have much education on prevention of disease or, or injury. Um, so it's an, an interesting, almost like hypocrisy within the profession of like, this is what we preach, but then we don't actually know what we're doing I uh, think in a, a lot of ways. A lot, it may be a newer concept too, because physical therapy was built around the rehab process, right? You are injured. Now you go to physical therapy and physical therapy gets you better back to where you were. The profession wasn't necessarily built around this preventative healthcare system which is now becoming a bigger and bigger thing in the network yeah i mean all of kind of american or or western healthcare is i think allopathic is the word right where it's they just treat disease or treat symptoms rather than looking at things from a more holistic or you know preventative standpoint um so it's definitely just the model of healthcare that americans listening are in um, but I, I, you know, I think that there's an inherent assumption that because we are these like movement specialists or we exer- exercise is a large part of what we do and we know that exercise is preventative of things. So we just kind of assume we're like preventative specialists in, in some way, uh, which I don't think is the case, but I think we're positioned well to do a lot and impact people from a preventative standpoint in large part just because we spend a lot of time with people where no other healthcare provider is going to spend nearly as much time as a PT will spend with their patients. And almost every other healthcare provider, you're looking at, you know, a nurse who spends, you know, a few minutes with someone several times a day if they're inpatient or, um, you know, potentially a physician spending a few minutes with someone a year Um, obviously there's not much room in there to be educating and providing resources to help prevent disease. Like it's just not, it's not a billable thing for them. You know, it's not what their focus is. Um, but for PTs, we might get to spend two hours with someone, three hours with someone in a week over the course of eight weeks, 12 weeks, we might be spending, you know, 30 hours with someone over the course of three months, which is just absolutely unheard of in any other healthcare profession. And I think that does give us an opportunity to talk about like, what are we going to do to prevent certain things from happening? Especially because we do philosophically have somewhat of a, uh, I don't even know how to say it, but we have the toolbox, right? We have the toolbox, but I think philosophically we are like conservative, right? We're, we're trying to minimize procedures, minimize healthcare utilization. It's just about treating things without as much stuff as possible. Uh, and I think that that is inherently like preventative at a bit at at its core, Mm -hmm. you know, we're like, we're, we are trying to 
get people better than they were before in a way so that they don't have to be where they are now. Mm-hmm. Um, but the injury prediction prevention paradigm is hard to navigate because it's fairly simplistic to look at certain health behaviors and correlate them with certain diseases, right? Like smoking is obviously a risk factor for developing lung cancer. But then when we look at musculoskeletal injury, what is a risk factor for a slap tear? (sighs) That's not, you know, there's no like, it's not black and white. No, there's no athletic cigarette. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not that clear cut. And so trying to modify a risk when it comes to athletics, I think is just inherently way more difficult of a process. Um, whenever you go through evaluating, say, it's just say more broadly, any patient who comes in, any athlete who comes in with some kind of ache or pain, are there certain types of things that when you are thinking of preventing injuries down the road, like certain types of things that you're looking at or thinking about? Yeah, I think it's getting the whole picture, right? It's taking a look at everything. It's taking a look at what's their training volume look like? What does it look like currently? What does it look like throughout the year? Um, As an athlete with multiple teams or multiple sports where they're doing a lot of different things, taking a look at, we we had a podcast the other week about recovery. How does their recovery look like? Are they getting good nutrition? Are they getting good sleep, good quality, good quantity? Are they um, drinking enough water? Are they very stressed in their life and they have, you know, a tough time with school or work? And they also have this competition at the same time where workloads going up. So just kind of getting like the whole picture because we've talked about um, injury prevention and you've mentioned the web in the, the presentation and how all of these factors come into play when we're talking about preventing an injury it's using trying to gather as much information as you can to what led up to that person's injury if they're coming in for an injury trying to figure all of that out and figuring out you know what parts of this puzzle parts of this web contributed to this and broke down and and ultimately led to this yeah and i mean that that web they refer to as the web of determinants it was from a I think it was Bittencourt was the author of the paper, but uh, it's in the webinar. And they talk about the... Because to prevent an injury, ideally you could predict the injury and then modify something and ultimately prevent it. But to prevent it, you almost have to be able to predict it first, right? Like to prevent lung cancer, we have to be able to predict where it's going to happen and what factors led to that happening so smoking and then we can prevent it by eliminating what led to it which was the smoking and you know so very simply like we look at the old model of uh of acl like you mentioned the knees out thing or it's like this thought that okay dynamic valgus is the position where acl tears happen so let's just prevent you from going into dynamic valgus and then boom we've prevented it from happening because our prediction was that if you go into it you'll tear your acl obviously that's way too simplistic and we know that that relationship isn't clear cut like that um 
but the the paper by Bittencourt was looking at it more from the sense of thinking about or making a comparison to a weather prediction model. So, you know, we we try to chart the trajectory of a hurricane and I'm not a meteorologist, but you have to measure a lot of things when you do that. You know, the surface temperature of the water, the tides, like the direction of the currents, the air temperature, the humidity, the direction that winds are traveling, the, you know, all of that stuff. And you factor all of those things in and the actual artificial intelligence that does predict hurricanes is making calculations based on, I believe it's like 50 million variables or 50 million measurements. And the measurements are taken at increments of like three seconds or five seconds or some, it's some absurd amount of measurements in some incredibly frequent time interval. And then we try to, in our field, predict an injury in an athlete based on like their single leg squat test the week before the season starts. And it just obviously inherently doesn't make sense that we would even be able to draw any conclusions based on this one little data point and in one instance in time and try to make inferences of that is just, you know, this just doesn't make sense. And so when we look at from a theoretical standpoint, what could bring us closer to the ability to predict an injury? And it's probably going to be to mimic the weather model to some degree. So taking a higher number of sample like data points and taking those data points and sampling them more frequently. So maybe it is, like you said, the web of determinants where we measure sleep and we measure steps, and we measure volume, hydration, stress, and we take all five or six of those variables and we measure them every single day. And that measurement gets summed in some capacity, similar to like what the whoop strap is attempting to do. Whether that gets summed or there's some average or there's some kind of way that you can graph that graph those data points and then see trends over time. Like, Hey, all five of my, uh, measurements of recovery or measurements of risk have trended towards a higher risk profile in the last four weeks. It's probably not intelligent for me to decide to peak for a meet or to decide to throw this extra showcase this weekend or do whatever until I can bring those down into a more moderate or low risk profile relative to what I'm, I'm typically used to or, or whatever the case is. So there's obviously a lot of moving parts to predicting an injury and it might not be feasible for most people to say like, Oh, every person who walks through the door for every follow-up appointment, we're going to measure all these variables. That's, that's probably unnecessary. This is, likely more of a discussion to be had on the level of like true sports physical therapy where you're managing a team or uh, working with strength coaches who might be taking these measurements because you're not the one necessarily there to prevent injuries. You may need to be interacting with the strength coaches or other staff to help guide them in their ability to refine their injury prediction or prevention. 
but you're probably the one to need to, you know, have those discussions or bring those things up. Uh, but yeah, that, that's obviously kind of the direction that that paper and I think just logically makes sense that we go in terms of how to better predict injury. Yeah. And I think injury prevention is getting bigger, especially with the team-based sports. But you're right. They're, they're trying to incorporate more variable, variables here. They're looking at strength. They're looking at range of motion. They're having them fill out some questionnaires. They're tracking their, their wearables for their sleep and their recovery, looking at nutrition, all that. But I feel like the one thing that they are lacking that you mentioned is the frequency. They do it in the preseason. Maybe they do it in like a midseason, and then they do it in like the postseason. But we don't get that that frequent testing throughout the the long season where workload is increasing. Yeah, I mean, it's just like when someone tries to lose weight, you, if you're trying to lose weight or gain weight, you probably want to step on the scale every single morning around the same time in the day, uh, you know, after going to the bathroom and so it's really consistent and you step on the scale and even then you're going to get fluctuations from day to day. You might weigh three pounds more one day, three pounds less, two pounds more, 1.3 pounds more. You might be on the dot, like whatever. It's going to fluctuate. But you need to step on the scale every day to see trends over time so that you can graph them out and be like, ah, this graph is kind of trending downwards or it is trending upwards. Um, or be able to take weekly averages of, of those things and then compare that to previous weekly averages or whatever. So the, the idea that you're just going to test people preseason and see their risk, you know, risk profile someone on a preseason testing, like, dude, you repeat that testing the next day and it might be radically totally different good. depending on if they train that day, depending on if they went out that night after preseason testing and uh, drank a lot or maybe they drank a lot the night before and they're feeling crappy the next day and they don't perform super well. Like that one slice in time is going to be pretty meaningless. I think getting a one slice in time can also lead to bad practices and behaviors. So you do the preseason testing and Johnny goes out there and tears his ACL. So then you look at his preseason screening of, you know, what went wrong here? What could we have done differently to prevent this? And you find some limiting factors that maybe he had and then you think okay these are what we need to focus on next year in the mid-season screening to help prevent our other athletes from getting this and maybe that had nothing to do with it maybe that those preseason screenings were like you said just an off day or maybe they were completely different on the day that he got injured but now you're basing your future injury prevention on that one snippet yeah, and that's like, you know, you're going, it's like the post hoc fallacy where you're going back and applying meaning to something that is actually meaningless, but it just seems meaningful now that something happened. Um, but yeah, you know, I think it is practically challenging. The other challenge is you measure all these things, but how much does these, each thing matter? We just don't know at this point. You know, like you measure... What's the difference between six and seven and a half hours of sleep? We don't even know what difference that makes on, you know, one night of six versus seven and a half. We can't quantify how much impact that has on your risk. And then to compare an hour and a half of sleep to five beats of heart rate above resting and to compare that to your heart rate variability 
and to compare that to your hydration and to compare that to your max grip testing, like how much all of these things matter in and of themselves is unknown. And then how much they matter relative to each other is even further unknown. And so it's more about just taking a step back and trying to look at, okay, if you didn't sleep well, you didn't hydrate well, you're high stress, you have a lot of training volume, we can assume that with all of these things put together, your risk is probably higher. You can safely assume that. But how much higher, what should that do to our, our decisions about training and about participation in sport? We don't have the answers to that. But like you said, if we're not collecting the data, we're probably not going to get any better at finding the answers because we're just going to be left with, you know, trying to make inferences based off of one slice in time or just an incomplete profile. Um, so yeah, if, if you guys are interested in more about injury prediction prevention, a more kind of structured talk with some images and some graphics and stuff, go to sportsrehabeducation.com and join the mailing list at the bottom. Uh, and that can get emailed over to you. Otherwise, follow us on social media. We will be posting about it. Um, you can go to rise underscore education underscore on Instagram um, to check that out. And you can obviously reach out to me with any questions at maxlepage.dpt on Instagram. And mine is troy.cuck.dpt on Insta. And we uh, hope you guys are staying safe, staying healthy, and we'll talk to you guys in the next one. See you guys. Thank you for listening to the Training Room Talk podcast. We hope today's discussion was helpful in illuminating some of the complexities behind pain and rehab. If you don't know where to go from here, please reach out to us with questions. We have mentorship options for clinicians and students and programming options for you to elevate your own fitness. We look forward to speaking with you and again, hope you enjoyed today's discussion.